everyone. Welcome to the Zone Defense Podcast. Be sure to follow us on Spotify at Zone Defense Podcast, Twitter at Zone Defense Pod, and subscribe to our YouTube channel at Zone Defense Podcast. Click the bell to get post notifications. Joining me on the show to, again today is Roman. How's it going, man? I'm good, Chris. How are you? I'm I'm doing pretty well today. I'm excited to talk about this division. Uh, it's one of the more uh, more one of the more competitive divisions, and just got a, even a little more tight this year. It's the uh, NFC West, and as you can see, my my uh, shirt and hat. Uh, Cardinals, one of my favorite teams besides the Lions. So I'm really excited to talk about some of their big offseason moves this year. Uh, what team do you think uh, made the most interesting moves this year? Definitely the Cardinals picking up uh, DeAndre Hopkins. I think I'm sure you'll all like to hear that. Uh, definitely a move that just kind of came out of nowhere. We all thought Bill O'Brien was kind of a nuthead for that one, but uh, the Cardinals will definitely take him any time of the week and uh, he'll certainly help Kyler Murray take a step forward in his second year. Yeah, I, I agree. I'm really excited to talk about the Cardinals and what this kind of implies. Adding Hopkins, they still made a couple other big moves as well. I'm, I'm excited to kind of get into – that's one of the more teams I'm, I'm most excited to deep dive in um, because I, I really like Kyler Murray as well. I almost wore my Kyler jersey today, but I decided just to go with this shirt for this one. But uh, let's get into our first team now. Uh, it's the uh, Super Bowl runner-ups, the San Francisco 49ers, and they had a pretty busy offseason as well. And they were, if the Cardinals did not get Hopkins, they would definitely have been my answer to this because they, they made the trade for Trent Williams, which is an absolute steal from the Redskins and one of the best tackles in the league. He's going to slot right in for Joe Staley right away, who retired in the offseason right afterward. They also picked up Kerry Hyder, Joe Walker, Tom Compton, Jordan Reed, which um, we'll see if he has any juice left as well because, you know, they just made that move. And then they also got Deion Jordan, which has not been finalized quite yet. And then uh, with an opt-out, they had Travis Benjamin. They also traded away DeForest Buckner, which I really like that move as well, getting another first-round pick for that. Uh, Emmanuel Sanders, Joe Staley, who, like I said, retired. Matt Breida to Miami, Elijah Lee, Sheldon Day, and Anthony Zettel. Uh, a lot of mo- a lot of losses, but I think they, uh, they made up for it with their additions and then their draft picks, which – in round one, the 14th pick, they took Javon Kinlaw, which was a, a great replacement for DeForest Buckner. I think that he's going to be an excellent player, as well as uh, kind of a, a developmental receiver at Arizona State. Brandon Ayuk, I also like him as well. And that's really the only noteworthy picks they had because they basically traded everything else away for Trent Williams. So um, what do you want to get into first with this team? Um, well, like you said, every subtraction that they had, they definitely uh, counteracted that with an addition or, or a draft pick. So they didn't really... Uh, take a step back and they kind of got younger, which I think helps them a lot more going into the season. Yeah, I agree with that. They they were able to kind of get rid of some of the elderly players on their team, like Emmanuel Sanders. I mean, DeForest Buckner, a very good player and not super old, but he's kind of one of their older draft picks, I would say. So uh, a, a good value getting a first round pick from, I think this trade worked for both teams. I think the Colts really needed another pass rusher, but I also think that, uh, with the Niners having so much talent, they're going to have to start paying a lot of people. They're going to have to pick and choose which guys they want to get rid of. So uh, Buckner's a good one to get rid of so they can hold on to guys like Eric Armstead, Nick Bosa, and keep that front four together. Because Javon Kittle, I feel like he's just going to slot right in and be an excellent player for this front four. And I, I think this defense has a very good chance to be a top five defense again this year. Uh, their secondary, while not being the the best secondary in the league, it's still pretty good. And then that, that front four, actually front seven is just – unbelievable it's one of the best ones in the entire league the front four is just outstanding and then uh fred warner is one of the most underrated linebackers in the league i, I was really excited to talk about him today because i think he's a uh, just an absolute all-around linebacker i think he, he's a he's a definite playmaker for this team and i think it's a guy that doesn't get enough love but uh i think the defense as a whole is just really solid and i think they're going to have another really solid season as well 
Um, what do you think about that defense? Yeah, it'll probably be the same deal as last year. The defense is definitely going to keep them in the games and probably be the reason they'll have success this year. Um, maybe not Super Bowl appearance success worthy, but they'll always be a contender with that defense, I, I believe. And I actually believe that they this is a, a team that is kind of just – I feel like the, unless they have like a, a tough hangover after the loss last year, I think this is a team that's, it could, has a very good chance of getting back to the Super Bowl. I think they would be maybe my second favorites to get there in the uh, – in the uh, NFC. So, uh, you know, I, I just, I feel like they have a good chance to get there. Uh, not having Debo Samuel to start the year most likely because of the uh, injury he acquired over the off season is going to be uh it's going to be a tough loss for the offense. Cause uh, you know, Jimmy G was really starting to find a rhythm with him late in the season. They don't have the safety blanket of Emmanuel Sanders anymore. So it's going to be up to guys like Brandon Ayuk, uh, Kendrick Bourne. Uh, I mean, I don't really trust that receiving core very much. Uh, they don't really. I have Jalen Hurd as well, which was he's basically a rookie because he missed the entire last season. They also have, uh, in my opinion, maybe the best tight end in the entire NFL, and George Kittle. Uh, this is one of my, also another one of my favorite players in the league. I think he is a unbelievable all-around talent. He's such a good blocker. That's why I think he actually is better than Travis Kelsey now at this point in his career. Uh, I think his blocking really sets him apart, and he's also basically the same vertical threat. I think they're very similar receivers. So I'll take Kittle as the best tight end in the league. What do you think about that? Yeah, I definitely agree. And like you said, they don't have a whole lot of wide receivers to work with. It'll probably be makeshift for the first couple of weeks before Devo comes back. But obviously, Kittle is their best receiver overall, not just not just best tight end, yeah. best wide receiver on the team. So um, well, if they feed him the ball, he'll make some plays, and hopefully uh, they'll still be solid by the time Devo comes back. Yeah, I think this offense will be able to function without him because I think actually uh, – Brandon Ayuk is a very similar player to Debo Samuel. He's kind of a Swiss Army knife. He can kind of he can take one of those slants to the house. He can run an occasional deep route. He also can get get in the mix and with the uh, like the end around game, the shovel pass game, kind of just very similar things that Debo can do. I'm not saying he's as good as Debo because I don't think he's. I think Debo is an elite talent, and I think he's going to be one of the better receivers in the league in a couple of years. But I think Ayuk can also be very solid. I mean, he was taken the first round for a reason. Uh, I really think that he uh, he has a chance to make an impact while uh, while Debo is gone, and then kind of be a regular player in their lineup when he comes back. Uh, what I want to talk about is kind of: Do you think Jimmy G can get back to the Super Bowl? Do you think he's a good enough quarterback to do it? Um, a st- standalone Jimmy G, I don't think is necessarily an elite quarterback, but um, it's not a single sport; it's a team sport. And I think with the 49ers, they're definitely a Super Bowl team. And Garoppolo just happens to be their quarterback. So if he does what he did last year, you know, not did not do anything too special, not do too bad. I think um, if he posted the same production, maybe a little better, um, they should be good to go. Yeah, and I, I do agree as well. I think this team can get back to the Super Bowl with the talent they have. I don't think he'll be any reason why they actually get there. I think just if he isn't the reason that they lose, then that's that's a good thing because he's more of that game manager type. I mean, he makes an occasional big throw, and I mean, I don't think he has the best weapons in the entire league. I mean, I know he has Kittle, but I don't think that receiving core is really a thing to write home about. He does a very good offensive line and the, one of the best run games in the league as well, so you can't really give him too much uh, sympathy for his his lack of receiving like depth. And, I mean, Ayuk, they did draft, so like they're, they're trying to help him out out there. They also got Juwan Jennings. I know it's a seventh-round pick, but a guy that I really liked at Tennessee because it's one of my favorite teams in college football. I think Jennings actually has a chance to make the roster and do something kind of early in the season, but we'll have to see about that. You never know. There's a, there's always a couple of those late-round receivers that, that make an impact, so he could be one of them. And uh, I guess the last thing I want to get into before we talk about the fantasy uh, 
which there isn't a ton of fantasy options here, but uh, let's talk about this running back battle because there is just, you know, there's always, a, it's a kind of a crapshoot with who's going to be the starting running back for the Niners. You know, Kyle Shannon just doesn't like to go with the same guy ever. So we have Raheem Mostert coming back. You know, he was kind of talking about getting traded, wanting to get a bigger contract, but they were able to kind of work together on that, get him a little bit more money on his uh, contract. So um, you got 28-year-old Mostert. You also have a decent running back. I wouldn't say he's any superstar, but Tevin Coleman, not a terrible running back, a guy that had a couple big games last year as well, as well as Mostert did. So, And then they also have McKinnon, Drek McKinnon coming off of uh, – back-to-back injury or basically the same injury that's taken him out of two seasons like he's on the depth chart as their third option in front of Jeff Wilson and Jamichael Hasty as well as Savannah Mod. so uh I really don't know what kind of role he's gonna have but uh who do you think's gonna win this job week one um personally I'm a big fan of Tevin Coleman I think he was pretty good as a backup to Devontae Freeman in Atlanta and just to talk about the running back core as a whole, I was very confused when they signed McKinnon because they are, they've had that crowded backfield yeah. for so many years. And uh, I think all three of these running backs are you know mediocre or above average, but they all have the ability to break out every couple of weeks. Not a, Maybe not RB1 production all the time, but they'll give you some good weeks if you slot them in the right matchups. But I, I like Tevin Coleman. He seems to be the only one who hasn't uh, either – he's not uh, old or he's not as injury prone. So – uh, and you can definitely get him late in drafts. So if you're thinking that he's the starter of the of the backfield, you can definitely get him at the very end of the draft and uh, pay out for you. Yeah, um, on Coleman, uh, I'm going to kind of get into my fantasy pick right now, which has got to be Mostert, and not for exactly positive reasons. But Coleman is kind of the guy that I I see being uh, kind of a oh, – he's at a value right now. He's he's going uh, – I believe he's going after the, the single-digit round. So uh, this is a guy that you could get, and he could be the starter. And if he is, he's going to have a lot of value. And he's going to have a couple of those blow-up blow weeks. So if you pick him in the right matchup, you, you may get a really good week out of him. So this is a guy you could kind of have on your – as a depth piece, maybe your fourth or fifth running back, and then maybe he can do something for you. But I want to go into Raheem Mostert, a guy that I do like as a player. I think he's a pretty talented running back in the league. But in your, if you're talking about full PPR, this guy just doesn't catch any passes. Uh, he's a very excellent and efficient running back on the ground, but if he's not catching any passes or scoring a touchdown, which he had a lot of touchdowns in the second half of last year, which I just don't think he can repeat that as consistently. I think you're going to be really annoyed with some of his weeks. He's going to end up with probably around 80 yards every week. It's just a matter of if he can get a touchdown or not. And if he's not getting one, you're going to be in a PPR league. Eight points is not going to cut it for you. Or nine, maybe if he gets one reception. That's really not going to cut it for you. I mean, I think he'll offer decently consistent flex value. I think he has a floor of about eight points, but his ceiling, as it's good, but it's, I feel he's not going to hit it that much this year. And this is the guy that is getting drafted around that fifth, sixth round. I'm really not into that. If he was to fall into the seventh and eighth round, maybe your league just – kind of omits him, I would be willing to take a shot on him because that's where he gets closer to Tevin Coleman, which I think has a better, has a decent chance of being the starter. And if he is, he's going to catch more passes. So Coleman as the starter, I believe would be more valuable. Yeah. I think when people draft Mostert, we talk about recency bias, they're drafting him for the production he put up last season. And like you said, he's 28 and he hasn't really had a whole lot of success prior to this past year. While the San Francisco 49ers are going to be run heavy for sure, they showed that throughout the playoffs last season. Uh, the pro- the production out of every one of them isn't going to be enough. They're all going to share the workload, I believe, and they'll most likely go running back by committee. And I know we like to say, uh, I kind of follow the advice to always draft pieces from great offenses. But in this case, I think it's so uh, tight and so unclear that you might as well, uh, you don't want to guess and maybe uh, bust on any one of them. 
Yeah, and this is kind of the approach I take with everyone except for George Kittle on this team. I mean, Debo Samuel obviously would have been a player I would have liked to draft maybe in the seventh round because uh, I think he's a very talented player. But uh, with him out, I just I don't know who to take in this receiving core. Maybe you take the shot on Brandon Ayuk or Jalen Hurt early, like very late in drafts, and hope that they just can produce some wide receiver two value at the beginning of the year. But I don't really see it. I think Kendrick Bourne will be involved. I think even Dante Pettis, who was a very – Big disappointment last year, and a guy I really thought was going to be a big impact. Um, that's another guy I really could see getting a little bit of production. Trent Taylor is also coming back as well uh, from a couple injuries. So if he can stay on the field, this guy was uh, a decent producer a couple seasons ago. And they also have Jawan Jennings. So this is just a really crowded wide receiver room. I could see four or five different guys emerge as the wide receiver one until Debo gets back. And once Debo does get back, then he they basically become irrelevant because it's such a small – passing volume offense and you already have Kittle and Debo and they're, they're going to take a majority of the targets away. And, you know, Kittle is a locked and loaded. I think he's my tight end one this year. I think he's going to be unbelievable this season. And he had a, he had a couple injuries last year, also a couple of really tough breaks with holding penalties. He would have been the tight end one had a couple of touchdowns not come back. I remember he had two and basically back-to-back plays that came back in one week and that really stinks for him, but he's not, it's not going to happen again this year. So this is a guy that I, uh, I see as the tight end one. You could take him in the second round. I'm not really a, big proponent on drafting your tight end early, but if you're one of the smaller leagues, I am in a 10-team league, taking a tight end in the second round is pretty nice because then you get a big advantage over the rest of the league, which there isn't. The rosters are all a little bit better in, in a 10-team versus a 12, so you know you you want as many roster advantages as you can get. Uh, how do you feel about drafting Kittle and maybe around the second round this year? Yeah, I don't mind it at all. Uh, I'd like to say that for the quarterback play between Garoppolo and Mahomes and Kittle and Kelsey are putting up similar numbers. Uh, I think uh, Kittle has definitely shown he's definitely more valuable on the San Francisco team uh, as opposed to Kittle, who has uh, Mahomes has many other weapons besides him. Uh, I'll get into my uh, fantasy pick, and I'll talk a little bit about Debo and Ayuk both together. Uh, this is one of the situations where you kind of have to know your league, uh, whether you're having IR spots this season, specifically for COVID players who get put on uh, in the middle of the season or during a week. Uh, if you draft Debo Samuel, he's definitely going later in rounds. I think uh, that the public have caught up to him and uh, put him in his proper spot, which is yeah. very late in drafts now. He used to go seventh, eighth round. Now he's going at the very end um, or double-digit rounds. If you know that you have an IR spot, definitely take a shot on him, and you can put him on the IR as soon as you pick, uh, as soon as you draft him. And in, in towards Ayuk, he's going undrafted. I know I'll be actively targeting him if Debo is off the board. But if you can draft Debo, put him on the IR, and then pick up Ayuk right after that, you should be really good to go. You have Ayuk, you can, you can start him for the first couple weeks, and then once Debo comes back, you can cut Ayuk or cut someone else on your team. But normally, Ayuk goes undrafted. Uh, I, I would target him in drafts if Debo is off the board, but if Debo is sitting there in the 13th, uh, 14th round, I'll definitely pick him up. Yeah, and what I'm seeing in uh, kind of on the – the professional ADP is that he's going around the eighth, ninth round. So that's, I'm not willing to take him there, but I do agree. Your league, you, you do have to know your league, which is kind of how you, you address this at first. So if he just keeps falling in the draft, which I definitely see happening in, in a decent, maybe about 50% of your uh, home leagues, I definitely would take him in like the, the 12th round even because the fact that he was just, I believe he was a wide receiver six in the second half of last season, which is unbelievable. And if you're getting that, which he probably won't do that again, but if you're getting a top 20 receiver in the 14th round, even if you have to put him on the IR for a few weeks, if you have the extra IR slots, it doesn't really matter. You can just take a, a guy off waivers for a couple of weeks, uh, another receiver, and then kind of use him if you need him over Debo. You probably won't anyway because you're taking Debo so late. But I do like the pick if it's really late. So uh, I just figured I'd add that in as well. Uh, 
So I think I believe we're, that wraps up our Niners talk. Uh, a good team, we both agree. Uh, it's just a matter of if they can get back to the Super Bowl after uh, coming so close to winning. I mean, they had that game in the bag, but they just couldn't get it done. You know, one big play from Jimmy G or one big play from the defense couldn't get it done. So they are the runner-up, and we will see if they can get back there this year. But uh, let's get into another very good team, and this is the uh, Seattle Seahawks, man, uh, uh, an excellent team. Uh, I totally forgot to add Jamal Adams to the additions this year, but uh, – you can just fact, factor him into that. Uh, one of the best safeties in the league. Uh, I do think he's a tiny bit overrated. I'm not saying he's a bad player or anything. He's, he's an excellent player. I do think he's a little bit overrated, but uh, you definitely have to be. He's a, he's a big upgrade for them. Uh, I mean, having him, pairing him with Quandre Diggs, that's going to be an excellent safety core. So uh, big move for the Seahawks there. Paid up for him, got their guy. Hopefully it works out for him. They also added Greg Olson to this already crowded tight end room. Philip Dorsett. Quinn Dunbar, which who knows if he's even going to play. He's on the exempt list right now, so probably not a very good chance he even plays. Uh, B.J. Finney, Bruce Irvin, which is an interesting pickup, uh, a pretty a pretty good speed rusher there. Uh, Brandon Shell, Cedric Ogbui, I, I don't really know how to say his last name. And then they also added some running back depth, which they desperately need right now in Carlos Hyde. Uh, some losses this year were definitely uh, definitely lost some talent. Uh, chance Warmick, uh, he opted out. Quentin Jefferson, which is a pretty good defensive tackle. George Fant. German Afedi, uh, Al Woods, Josh Gordon, which uh, I've heard some rumors of him or AB maybe coming back to the Seahawks. That could be big for the receiving core. Um, they also lost Ezekiel Anza, the uh, often injured but talented D end, and then Jadavian Clowney, which um, he's still a free agent, but I don't think they have the money to pay him. So they, they will not be coming back to Seattle. Um, in the first round, they took maybe a guy to maybe the heir apparent. Javian Clowney last year and Jordan Brooks, uh, a pretty talented player. Uh, a lot of people thought they reached on him, maybe more of a second round pick, but I still think he's going to be a pretty good player. Uh, Daryl Taylor, the edge rusher from Tennessee. Like I said, I really like Tennessee uh, football. This is an excellent player, uh, pretty good value there. Uh, they also got Damian Lewis guard out of LSU, and then just a uh, a couple fourth round picks to mention. Colby Parkinson, which has he's got a chance to win the job. I mean, they got 38 tight ends there, so maybe he wins the job, and then. A guy that might have a more prominent role than people are realizing in DJ Dallas. I mean, without uh, uh, with some of the running back injuries, uh, Chris Carson being injured, uh, you know, if he's not healthy, this is a guy that I could see maybe playing as well as Rashad Penny as well. I totally forgot about him. He he's going to be on the pup to start the year, so DJ Dallas could have a pretty decent role at the start of this season. But uh, what did you think about the Jamal Adams tree? Let's get into that first because it's such a talented player, but they gave up a lot for him. Two first round picks, and then uh, I believe his name was. McDowell, uh, the safety that they gave up as well, going to the Jets. Um, yeah, so I know the the Seahawks usually draft late in the first round, anyways. They're very consistent with their draft picks, uh, and they get and them giving up first two first round picks to the Jets. I don't think is that big of a deal because, uh, well, first of all, the Jets kind of aren't very successful with their first round picks and historically, uh, historically. And the Seahawks usually draft, like I said, in the back half of the first round. So uh, they're more in the win now mode. And um, we won't really know who won the trade until the Jets make their picks. I know that's like very um, further thinking that you can't really determine a trade value based off of the, just the picks. You have to wait till their picks are made. But right now, that definitely helps the Seahawks um, win now. And uh, for the Jets, they got Bradley McDougal. That kind of gives him a, a replacement for now. But yeah, the Seahawks are definitely in win now, and the Jets are still kind of uh, struggling to keep first-round picks in their organization. Yeah, I mean, they've been trading basically all their first-round picks, but I actually do believe you will know who won this trade after the season, which is if Jamal Adams can kind of get them over the top, if they can get to the NFC Championship game, I believe that they won this trade. And 
I don't know if he's he needs to be a big part of the reason. I think he will be. He's a very talented player. Like I said, I'm not me saying he's a little bit overrated doesn't mean that he's a bad player. He's still probably a top 25 player in the entire league. Very excellent player. Uh, the best player on most rosters, obviously. It's their second best after Russell Wilson. But uh, they're going to have to pay Jamal Adams, which it, it's a lot to give up for a guy that you still have to pay $18 million a year to. And for a safety, that's a little bit much for me. But in their current scheme, they need a guy. They need that Cam Chancellor guy to kind of – because that defense is terrible right now. They're, they're really bad. They're, they're just not good at all. They don't have a very good front seven. I mean, they lost their two, their best DN and their best linebacker last year. So they need someone to kind of plug the holes for that. I mean, they added Jordan Brooks, they added Daryl Taylor, which are kind of the replacements for those two. So if they work out, that's going to be nice. And then adding Jamal Adams, obviously, he's a, he's a safety that can play inside the box. He's not a great coverage guy, but that's why they have uh, Quandre Diggs. I made a great trade for him last year. He's a, he's a very good – he's a playmaker in the second half, a ball hawk, a guy that can make a couple big interceptions for you, and he can really lock down the the, the deep half of the uh, field. But uh, they're going to play a lot of one-high safety. They're going to have Adams in the box playing more of that linebacker, kind of just uh, maybe Brian Dawkins' role, I would say, uh, at – Slash Cam Chancellor. I mean, he's he's gonna play that role where he's just gonna hit people. He's gonna play up at the box. He's gonna try to force fumbles, get sacks, blow up the run, fill holes. Uh, he, he's gonna be asked to do all that, and I think he can handle it. I just I don't really think he's that good in coverage. That's why, and people don't really say it a lot because he makes so many highlight plays in in the box. Uh, they, he's not a great coverage safety, but they do have digs as well, so it's it's pretty good pickup for them. Uh, who do you think will emerge as the wide receiver one on this team? It, it, they have DK Metcalf. Who is the obviously the young stud prospect, the guy that he made waves last year? He had uh, a couple really big games, including that Philadelphia game where he basically beat them by himself. He was unbelievable in that game. But they also have the steady veteran receiver, the often underrated Tyler Lockett, which is a player I really like and I want to talk about right now. Uh, who do you think emerges at the as the one there? Um, I think it'll still be Lockett for a majority of this season. I think uh, Metcalf had, did kind of emerge as like a viable wide receiver two, close to wide receiver one last season. And they're both going to have their good upside weeks. And it's kind of uh, another similar thing to Cooper Cup and Robert Woods that we had our, in our fantasy draft where you, they're both going around the similar spot. Uh, but you know that you know Wilson likes to target both of them. Uh, I think Lockett will be the one. And if they did bring in a guy, if they did bring Josh Gordon back, or if they did bring in Antonio Brown, I think that would hurt uh, Metcalf more than Lockett. Yeah. So I, I think Lockett is definitely the wide receiver one right now. But if they don't sign anyone else, it could be Metcalf by the end of the season. See, yeah, I think I think Lockett's locked into a number one role. I I really think, and this is we're not quite into the fantasy picks yet, but um, I, I'll kind of I'm probably gonna address these two wide receivers when we do get to it. But I I believe that. Tyler Lockett is the one there. I think he's a very talented player. Russell Wilson loves throwing the football. Obviously, DK Metcalf is going to be good again this year. But I think his rookie season was a tiny bit overrated. He had a he was basically irrelevant through about six or seven weeks, and then he kind of he he wasn't awesome, but he had a couple big weeks. He had a couple touchdowns, but he was, he also did have the most red zone targets in the entire league. And you think a player like that would have 10, 11 touchdowns? Uh, he did not. Uh, you know, he, he was very inefficient in the red zone. I think that's going to, it's just going to be growing pains with him because he's more of a developmental receiver, a guy that uh, I think is going to be a very good receiver and has the bill to be a number one receiver. Uh, he did fall in the draft last year a lot, but the Seahawks were smart to take him. I think he is a really talented player, but I think his rookie season was a little bit, people talk about him more than they talk about a guy like Debo Samuel, which I think he played a lot better. Um, also a guy like Terry McLaurin, you think about players like that. I feel like he, they, they all were overshadowed because, you know, he plays with, uh, Russell Wilson. Uh, he had a couple of really big plays. He was awesome in the playoff game. I don't know. Uh, 
like I said, it's, I'm not saying he's an overrated player, but I do think he had a little bit uh, of an overhyped rookie year, and I think he still has some growing pains to go through this year. But uh, on the offense, you know, that offensive line is really going to stink. So I don't know how I feel about uh, how good this rushing attack is going to be. I think Russell Wilson is going to let the ball loose a little bit more this year than he did last year, uh, especially with Rashad Penny starting in the year on the pup. He's not going to be around for at least for six weeks, and I would expect Mariano. You can't just come back from the ACL that quickly. I, I really don't think he's going to. He got that injury really late in the season. I don't think he'll be back right away. They do have Carlos Hyde, who's – I mean, he had over 1,000 yards last year, but he's not something that – not someone that excites me in an offense. I don't think he's going to be a very really good player. So if Chris Carson's not back, I think they're really going to struggle to run the football. But Carson, coming back from a hip injury, did not get surgery for him. But he has shown that he is – he gets often – I wouldn't say injury-prone yet, but he's often injured. So um, I would be a little bit worried about that. They do have DJ Dallas as well, which I think he has a little bit of juice. I I mean, he's a fourth-round pick for a reason. He's not some superstar. He's not Jonathan Taylor. But it's a guy that could um, maybe fill into a role, get five or six carries a game, a couple receptions, and, and maybe make a spark play for them every game. Uh, what do you think about this uh, this rushing attack this year? Yeah, I think it's kind of uh, unfortunate that they don't have Rashad Penny to start the season, and he's definitely not a fantasy viable player by any means. I just thought they balanced him out quite well. And especially last season, Carson, we mentioned he's injury-prone. He also had a, a little fumbling problem last season. So Yeah, he did big time. Yeah, so whenever he fumbled, they put Rashad Penny in and kind of carry on as normal. Uh, I think it's good for Carson that uh, Penny's off on the pup right now, and I don't think Carlos Hyde will make that big of a difference. No, uh, I don't so I think it's a clear cut um, job for Carson and uh, they're very rush dominant last season. I, I feel like they will be most of that again. Yeah. I mean, I think they'll run the ball well again this year. I'm just worried. They lost a lot of pieces on the offensive line, including both their tackles and an, an and a guard as well through op out. Uh, I think that they may, they may struggle. They did bring in some uh, BJ Finney, Brandon Shell and Cedric, a, Goyby, I, I, or yeah, I don't, I'm not really sure how to say his name, but uh, they did bring in those three pieces. So hopefully they can kind of fill in and be serviceable. Uh, I'm Chris Carson. I, I like him as a player a lot, but if he has fumbling troubles again, it's going to be unexcusable. They're going to get Carl's Hyde or DJ Dallas into the game. And if Penny's back by then, then you, I think he might be out of a job next year because of how good that free agent class is. I think they may be willing to go out there and pay somebody or give Rashad Penny the work, the, the workhorse role, which I think he can handle it. I mean, He's had a couple tough injuries, but I think Penny is a pretty talented player as well. So, and he proved last year he was starting to kind of eat into Chris Carson's workload. Uh, they were kind of in like a 50 50 timeshare, and both were decent for fantasy over the last couple weeks. And right until Penny got that injury, which tough for him, but if he can bounce back from that and get back to full strength this year, I think he has a chance to win this job possibly in the second half of the year. This is Chris Carson's job to lose, man. I mean, he's an undrafted free agent a couple years ago, he's been really good but he's had a really big problems fumbling. So if he does that again this year, uh, I think they're going to move on from him. And they almost did last year, really close to. So And they got Carlos Hyde behind him as well. So uh, Yeah, uh, they're, they're very forgiving with him. What did you say? They're very forgiving with him and all those fumbles. They they'd, they'd put him out right away, and then the next game they'd yeah. you know, put him back into the game. And they, they, yeah. let him, they kind of had a short leash with him on every fumble, but they always went back to him. Yeah, and I... I See, I don't, I don't think that's going to be the case this year. I think if he, if he has a couple early season fumbles, maybe if he has two or three in the first few weeks, uh, I think he might be done here, uh, at least as the starter. So uh, we'll have to see about that. But uh, I kind of want to get into like the fantasy picks right now. Let's go. Uh, 
I'm going to go with Tyler Lockett on this one. You know, I kind of uh, touched on it uh, before. I might mention a little bit of DK Metcalf because he actually is going before Tyler Lockett right now. I, I see them both going in the fifth round. He's going a couple picks before, which I I can't do that, man. I, I mean, Tyler Lockett's been unbelievable last few years. I know he faltered over the second half last year. So he had that he had that tough, I, I believe it was a bone bruise, and it was a it was a really brutal injury. If you actually saw uh, if you saw what it looked like, it was, it was rough, man. He, he looked like he was having a hard time running routes out there. Uh but if Lockett's out there at full strength, which he he does get injured every once in a while, but you can you're getting him in the sixth round, so you're kind of uh, you're buying into the injury dip a little bit. I think Lockett is a uh, a wide receiver too, maybe even a wide receiver one, and he's always a guy that I've slept on in fantasy drafts, and I'm not doing that again this year, man. I, I I'm gonna take him. I, I if he's my wide receiver two, I'm gonna be ecstatic because I think he has the upside to be a low end wide receiver one, and I really like that. Metcalf does have a higher upside though. He could. Be unbelievable this year. I mean, there's, there's, he's shown that he can, he can absolutely have blow up games. I just don't think he's a good enough route runner yet to really dominate. And I think he's getting overdrafted because of how hype he is. He's in the fifth round. I'm not willing to take him there. If he was a sixth or seventh round pick, I would absolutely take my shot on him because of the upside. But I think he's more of a flex receiver right now with the upside to be like a, a mid tier wide receiver one, which so he, I think he has a little bit more upside, but I'm not willing to take a player that's significantly worse as a floor and a guy that's going to have a lot more games where he disappears than Lockett does. Uh, for a, a, like a couple picks ahead of him. I'm really not willing to do that. Yeah, I completely agree. Normally when you draft Lockett, you're drafting him for as your wide receiver one, wide receiver two. And if I was going to draft Metcalf, it would probably be a, a flex or just stash him on my bench and play him when he, uh, I feel like he has a good matchup. Uh, like you said, his route running still needs work. And that's going to be the reason why he won't necessarily be a clear-cut wide receiver one at the beginning of the season. And if I were to take him, like I said, it would probably be on the bench. And... Uh, to talk about your locket pick a little more, I think there may be some other wide receivers that I would prefer. So I would maybe just stray. I would maybe stray away from any wide receiver on on the uh, Seahawks. I know Chark kind of goes in that range. Chark, Woods, yeah. um, Ridley, uh, Sutton, all those are yeah. all good options as well. And I think I might have I might prefer them a little bit more to locket at least. But if they're if Metcalf is still around after that group of players are gone, I would definitely take Metcalf from my bench. Yeah, uh, I kind of wanted to address what you're saying. You you said a majority of the names I kind of wanted to get into. Uh, let's just go over some of the players that are getting drafted right around Lockett. I'll, and you could say who you'd rather take. So you already said DJ Chark. You'd rather have him, correct? Yeah. All right. So uh, with T.Y. Hilton, which one would you rather have, Hilton or Lockett? I would, ha- I would rather take Lockett. Yeah, me too. Uh, I agree. How about Cortland Sutton? Um, That's a tough one. I know. Sutton got a little hype at the beginning of the uh, of the offseason, yeah. but with all the weapons, I'd probably lean towards uh, Lockett on this one. And then I'll give you two more. Uh, uh, Hollywood Brown and Keenan Allen. I would take Lockett over both of those guys. Yeah, I would too. I, I We will eventually get into the, uh, the AFC North, and I'm very excited to talk about Marquise Brown, but I'm not that excited to talk about him to put him over a proven guy like Tyler Lockett. But yeah, I, I agree with all those. Uh, I would definitely... I would definitely take Lockett over Keenan Allen. I, I think that he, uh, in a with a much better quarterback and a better passing offense, he's. I think he's going to thrive this year. I think he's a, a lock to score at least eight touchdowns this season. Yeah, there's definitely varying opinions on him, and that just kind of comes into play. Whether what's your preference? What what are your rankings? Where do you have him? And if you're comfortable taking him as your wide receiver one, then absolutely do it if he's still there. Yep, I agree. Uh, give me uh, give me a fantasy pick for you. Uh, I'll go back to Chris Carson. He's going around the between the third and the fifth rounds. I think if you get him in the fourth or fifth, that's definitely a good pick. Um, normally, if you were going to take him, it would be a flex or running back two, which is definitely fine by me. Um, 
for the amount of work he's going to get, he'll definitely produce. But like we said, uh, it could be on a, a very short leash this season. So you might, you might want to have that depth uh, as well. Maybe get a handcuff with Hyde or uh, Penny if he comes back off the list of the pup list. But um, I had Carson last season on my fantasy team and I kept him throughout the season and he performed very well for me. And um, he gets a little over the receiving work as well. So he can do a lot, very versatile. Um, and I'll, I'll target him if I, if I can. Yeah. Uh, on Carson, uh, when we did our, uh, running back rankings, Drew was exceptionally low on Chris Carson. I'm not quite as low on him. I have him around the running back 20, which I think he belongs. I think he's a running back two or a really good running back three this year. You know, um, he's not a crazy good pass catcher, but he's, he's decent enough and he doesn't really have that much competition right now. I mean, DJ Dallas, who really knows how many passes he's going to catch. I, I think he'll catch a few, but not that many. And then Carlos Hyde obviously is not a pass catcher. He's much better pass catcher than Carlos Hyde. Uh, so I see him getting a decent amount of the receiving work early on the season. And then you may be a little bit disappointed in the second half with Rashad Penny being there. I, I believe that Carson's going to be consistent. He's kind of similar to, uh, to me, he's a little bit similar to a guy like Raheem Mostert uh, in terms of being very efficient on the ground. He can handle a pretty good workload is more of like the more underrated back. No one really like, I don't think people are hyping up Chris Carson in terms of just real life talent, but he's a pretty good running back. I, I, I think he's a top 20 running back for sure. In the league, and, and a really solid runner on the ground. So this is a guy I would not mind as an RB2. RB3 would be awesome. This is one of my favorite targets for the RB2. And, and considering where he's going around, he's going next to like Gurley or Melvin Gordon or, you know, uh, James Conner. You know, all those guys are injury prone and they're not really in the best situations. So if you want to take Carson out of all those guys, I definitely go for it. And there's really no one that's going to be um, a better option in that tier. Unless, oh, really? Unless you maybe want to reach on Bell or uh, Jonathan Taylor, but in that range or in that tier, I think Carson uh, would be a good pick. So you take Carson over Connor. What was it, Connor? Gurley. Gurley. Bell. Uh, maybe not Bell. I think Carson and Bell go in different uh, rounds, but yeah, they I'd, I'd, I'd definitely take Carson over uh, Gordon or Gurley. See, I, I would probably go with both of them over Carson, but it's very close. I, I'm willing to take any. I, I'm not saying I dislike Carson. They're all like basically back to back in my ranking. So basically, whoever falls the latest or whoever is there for my pick right there in like the fourth round, uh, I'm going to take them there for sure. So I'm not opposed to Chris Carson in that round at all. Definitely don't draft for Shad Penny, though. I feel like that's a mistake. Uh, I'm not to uh, drafting uh, the second running back that's going on the pup that could even be replaced. Who knows if DJ Dallas is really good or Carlos Hyde. They could, they could establish themselves as the running back two on this team. So I'm not interested in taking a guy. It's a very different situation to a guy like Debo Samuel, who's just injured, but is when he gets back, he's the clear number one receiver. So um, so take Debo if he dips, but if you are if you see Penny, I would not take him any run. I, I'd leave him on the waivers or let somebody else take him, which someone will probably draft him. So I'm not really willing to put him on the pup for six weeks and have him come back and do absolutely nothing for you. Yeah, I totally agree. All right, uh, let's get into our uh, Los Angeles Rams now, which this is a, a team that I'm actually pretty excited to talk about. They were 9-7 and seven this year, which kind of surprised me. I felt like they were a little bit worse than that, but they did, they did just miss out on the playoffs. And the reason that I was a little surprised they were nine and seven is because I just felt like they got absolutely dominated by some of the better teams in the league. I remember when they played the uh, they played the Ravens, and it was just an absolute bloodbath. So um, that, that was just one game that stuck or just really stuck out to me. Uh, I remember also remember the uh, Tampa Bay game when they get, their defense gave up like sixty five points, uh, and they lost that shootout as well. And I remember just that was an insane game as well. So uh, the Rams, they're going to be high flying on offense. They're still gonna they're still gonna score a lot of points on offense, in my opinion, while losing. Um, 
well, I guess we'll get into the losses right now because they're more important. They lost Brandon Cooks. They also lost Ty Gurley. Both, uh, I would say, their third receiver and their top running back. I mean, those are pretty big losses right there to start. Uh, I, I don't think Brandon Cooks was that good anymore. And I also don't think Todd Gurley is insanely talented at this point in his career. But they're both down – like, they're definitely downgrades. I mean, they're, they picked up a rookie and both trying to replace both spots. So, I mean, we're going to have to see how that works out. But they also um, lost Dante Fowler Jr., which uh, he signed a big contract in Atlanta. I think this is a pretty talented player. Pretty big loss there. Uh, Corey Lewis and also an underrated linebacker. Uh, Eric Weddle retired. I'm not really a big deal there. And they also lost Nikel Roby Coleman uh, to Philadelphia, which another guy that is pretty talented, at, at least an average defender. So, I mean, they're definitely going to have to replace them with some of their draft picks. They did pick up Leonard Floyd and Ashawn Robinson, which I think I believe both are above average defensive players. So neither move was uh, neither move is a bad move for sure. Uh, both also decent contracts as far as I'm aware. I, I remember seeing it. both of them were – Pretty affordable deals. I think Floyd is a good run stopper. Ashawn Robinson, also a pretty decent depth piece on the offensive line or defensive line. So, uh, I mean, really their only big two addition. They didn't really add anything else of note. But um, through the draft, they were able to get a uh, running back out of Florida State, Cam Akers, which is a player that I do like. Um, struggle with a bad offensive line, which he's going to have to do it with the Rams. So maybe he's going to be accustomed to that already. I think Akers is going to be a pretty good player. They also picked up a guy that I really don't know a lot about in Van Jefferson. I'm not going to sit here and act like I know a ton about this guy. I may have reached a little bit on him because there were some receivers I would have rather taken over him, like Denzel Mims. But uh, they also got Terrell Lewis, uh, the edge defender from Alabama, and Terrell Burgess from Utah. Uh, other than that, not really any big noteworthy moves. Do uh, you think the Rams have any shot to get back to the playoffs? I, I really do. And I think many people thought, like you said earlier, they many people think they played worse than what their actual record was, and they almost made the playoffs. And I think the reason they were just short of the playoffs is, number one, the 49ers just kind of came out of nowhere and kind of dominated the division as a whole. But also I think some of that uh, non-success has to do with Todd Gurley a little bit. And I don't know what you think about it, but I think even though Todd Gurley was on the field and didn't miss money games, he was never 100%, I don't think. So him not being up to where you usually can be and you know, not really helping the offense get it into the play action that they normally that you normally do, which is their bread and butter when they were in their Super Bowl season. Like that was the, the main reason of their offense was clicking, and they didn't do that a whole lot this uh, this season. And I think that was because of uh, Todd Gurley and not being up to par. And I'm really interested to see the running back competition this week uh, or this year, because I don't think Henderson is going to be a starter. I don't think Malcolm Brown can be a starter, and I. I think Cam Akers has the uh, opportunity to be out with the running back one and, and emerge right away. Yeah, I, I do as well. I think Akers is going to end up emerging as a starter. I know it's an abbreviated offseason, not a great uh, situation for him to win the starting job as a rookie, but Akers was drafted as a as a second-round pick, a pretty, a pretty decent draft capital for him, and I think he's probably the fifth or sixth best running back in the class, So, and, and maybe even better than that. Who, who really knows? Because Florida State's offensive line was so brutal for him. But uh, Akers has juice, so I mean, if he if he can win the job, uh, I believe he's gonna have. Uh, I think he's actually going to be an upgrade over Todd Gurley if if he can kind of win that job right away. If it's a timeshare, I would rather probably have the Gurley at least because he's in he's good in the red zone. I wouldn't. I'm not gonna rely on Malcolm Brown and uh, Daryl Henderson really to run my offense. So hopefully Akers can win that job because if not, I think they're really gonna struggle on the ground. But uh, more excitedly, I mean Jared Goff. I don't think he's a very good quarterback, but they do have. To the, maybe the best, one of the better duos in the league in Robert Woods and Cooper Cup. I know they lost Brandon Cooks, but I really don't think it's much of a loss, to be honest. I, I believe that 
it's just going to give more targets to guys that really deserve it. And Robert Woods and Cooper Cup, both players, extremely talented, both uh, two of my favorite receivers in the league. Actually, I like both these guys a lot, especially Robert Woods. He's as we'll kind of talk about in our fantasy picks, not to spoil too much, but he's going to be mine. So uh, Robert Woods, uh, I believe, is one of the more talented receivers in this division. I think he is an, a very good all-around player. He's not like a, a burner or anything. He's not somebody that's super athletic, but he's a great route runner, and he's really he gets a lot of separation. So uh, I believe this is a guy that Goff's going to go to early and often, and he's gonna he's also a very good run blocker as well at the wide receiver position. He can also takes some end around as well. He's a very well-rounded receiver. That's why I like him so much. I think he's underrated every single season in fantasy, both and in real life. So I'm excited to watch him play this year because he had some really tough luck touchdown department last year. I think Goff's going to make a point to get him the football this year. And Cup, obviously, a very good red zone target, also a very good slot player. If you take him outside the slot, though, he's not a very good receiver, so they got to keep him in the slot for sure. Yeah, do you think they were, the Rams were in a Super Bowl slump, or what, what do you think they did do to like not be as good as they were used to be? I just really think that the uh, the offensive line being really having a really tough time is is why they were struggled last year. I, I believe that their offensive line got a lot worse. I, I think they're going to be bad again this year. I think that's a big issue why that offense is starting to falter a little bit. And Jared Goff, he's he's actually a pretty decent quarterback when everything is on schedule, when everything's on time. He's got the weapons as well to do it. But uh, Goff, an accurate quarterback when no one's back there. But if you if you even breathe in his direction, the guy can't throw the football ten yards down the field without making a bad pass. So uh, I think golf is going to have a little bit better season this year. Cause I think uh, maybe they, this kind of uh, young offensive line unit is going to be a little bit better, but they're still going to have, I still think you're going to be a bottom half offensive line. And this offense is not going to reform all the way to the Super Bowl run. They do have Jalen Ramsey and Aaron Donald on the defense though. So you can't, I, this is, I do agree. You can't really count them out of a playoff spot. I think this is a team that's going to compete in a very good division. I believe all four teams are going to compete for playoff spots at least. So I think the Rams could be one of those teams that kind of sneaks into one of those last spots. They're not winning this division. There is absolutely no chance. Whereas I think the Cardinals, there is a, a pathway for them to at least maybe win the division. I don't think the Rams are going to do that. But I think the Rams have a chance to, so kind of dominate outside the division because I still think they're a decent team, but I really think it's going to be it's going to be tough sliding in the division. I think they're only going to win two games in the division. Oh wow, that's a bold take. Yeah, I mean uh, you got to look at the Niners, the Seahawks, and the Cardinals. They're all three of those teams are good. They're all going to none of those games are going to be easy at all for sure. I mean unless one of them have a big injury somewhere, which you can't really project before the season. I think it's going to be tough sledding for uh, the Rams in division. Just hopefully outside the division, they can they can kind of take over because they do have a little bit of an easier schedule this year playing some of, some of those crossover games against the third best in the division. At least that kind of dumbs down a couple uh, matchups for them. Yeah, we kind of said it during our uh, NFC South uh, division dive. We said that we said that that was the best division in in football. But I think this division actually could shape up being a better, more competitive uh, division, especially when you consider the Cardinals. You know. If that's your worst team in the division, or if the Rams are your or your worst team in the division, I think you're in a pretty good division. Right. Yeah, I 100% agree. I think this is the best division in football this year, and it, you're seeing it by by when we're just talking about these teams. I mean, I don't think the Rams are an awesome team, but they're definitely a team that can compete for a playoff spot. And uh, if they if Goff can bounce back a little bit, which I don't, again, I don't think he's very good quarterback, but maybe if they protect him a little bit better, I think this offense can get back into shape. Uh, they've been running a lot of two tight ends sets as well, and it kind of shows by them drafting Van Jefferson, which he's, I know he is more of a slot guy. Again, I don't know how talented the guy actually is, but I mean, they use a second round pick on him. They must like him a decent amount. So he's probably going to be 
Uh, I don't know how he's going to be on the field as rookie year, but maybe he's Cooper Cup's heir apparent after because I think I believe Cup is due for an extension next season, so maybe they just don't resign. They get Van Jefferson in there instead. But uh, I believe that with the two tight ends set, uh, Tyler Higby uh, is going to be pretty solid again this year, and he was awesome at the end of last year, uh, both in fantasy and in real life. I believe he had uh, a five-game pace that no other tight ends ever had in football. So I mean, if you look at a player like Higby, uh, got it finally emerging after a few just mediocre seasons as a blocking tight end. Um, maybe he takes over this year. I, I, I really don't know what to think about Higby in terms of like a fantasy player, a guy that I probably would avoid in fantasy. I guess we can kind of start getting into it. Uh, but uh, I mean, a guy you could take a shot on and if he, if he does similar to what he did last year, he could literally be the tight end one. So I, I guess we'll kind of see on that. They still have Gerald Everett too. You can't forget about him. He was kind of banged up at the end of the year. He's a pretty talented tight end as well. I think more of a vertical threat than Higby is. Both are going to be involved, though, in my opinion. Yeah, they definitely used those two tight end sets down the home stretch of last season, which proved very successful, um, not just for the team, but for some players, which I'm sure you'll talk about in a little bit in fantasy-wise. But um, And they're going to continue with the two tight end sets in the 2020 season, so we're going to see a lot more maybe high-powered uh, offense, uh, maybe more play action that they're successful with. Uh, I, I think I'm more high on the Rams than you are. So I think if they can produce like they did in their Super Bowl appearance season, they could contend in the division. Yeah, I don't I don't see them quite as division contenders, but I think they are playoff contenders for sure. In a tough division, I mean, you've got two of, in my opinion, the top six teams in the entire league in the division. And then the Cardinals as well could be a top 10 team. Who knows? I mean, that defense can stink, but we'll have to see exactly what happens here i'm gonna go ahead and go into my actual fantasy pick it's it's gonna be robert woods for me i love robert woods like i said i think he's a borderline top 10 receiver and he's not being drafted at that point and he's more of a fourth fifth round pick i am absolutely willing to take him there one of my favorite fourth fifth round picks him and dj chark if i can get them back to back after taking three running backs as my one and two receivers i'm gonna be ecstatic and robert woods um in this two tight end set, as Roman was referring to before, he was getting absolutely peppered with targets in the second half of the year. I don't know if you remember that, but I felt like there was every single time down the field, it was just Robert Woods, Robert Woods, Robert Woods, Robert Woods, every single play. And Cooper Cup kind of went a little bit cold at the end of the second half of the year after being awesome in the first half. So I'd rather take Robert Woods out of the two of these guys. I think he's the safer pick. I actually believe he has more upside than people think because he's, he's kind of like a – I wouldn't even say boring for me because I really like him as a player, but some people – see him as that boring, just safe pick as like a wide receiver. Not a guy that's going to win your league. I actually believe he could be a league winner this year. I think Robert Woods could be a top five receiver if he gets the target volume. And if he has a little bit more luck in the touchdown department, which he had absolutely none of last year, and he's still a top 20 tight end, or top 20 wide receiver, even with what two receiving touchdowns all last year, and that's not going to happen again. So if he gets five or six touchdowns, 1,200 yards, uh, he could be a top 10 receiver. Yeah, I absolutely love Robert Woods as well. And uh, if he gets a little bit more luck with the touchdowns, he definitely could be a wide receiver one, which I'll definitely, I'm definitely comfortable taking him as a wide receiver one. But more times than yeah. not, I, th I think I would more likely than not take him as a wide receiver too. But definitely wouldn't be upset if he was my first quarterback off the uh, off my team. But yeah, um, sure. I, I picked him up at the end of last season, like as soon as he got hot, and I started them every single week of the end of last season. So he definitely panned out for me. I'll definitely be actively targeting, uh, targeting him this season. And the, yeah, surprising, I definitely agree with that. the surprising thing is that in some mock drafts, I see him go before Cooper Cup. But I think that's definitely uh, deserved because he'll, yeah, be he'll, he'll be more involved in the offense, I think. 
Yeah, I believe so too. I, I like Cup as well. I'm not opposed to taking him because he, he seems to fall in the draft in every year in my league, including last year. I think I believe he went like the seventh round. I should have taken him last year, but I didn't. So if he's falling to like the fifth round, I'm more than willing to take Cup because he has that upside to be awesome. And I, you remember the first stretch, stretch of seven or eight games last year. He was, I mean, he, I think he was literally the wide receiver one up to like week. He still finished as a wide receiver six, dude, even though being he was pretty bad in the second half of the year, didn't really get the ball that much. So another guy that I'd be willing to target for sure. Yeah, they're both going to be really good, I think, this season. Um, it'll be kind of yeah, conflicting yeah. having to make that choice, but if Robert Woods or if just Cooper Cup's on the board, you should be taking either one of them, absolutely. Yeah, I agree as well. Um, why don't you get into your fantasy pick as well, and we can uh, get into the Cardinals after. Yeah, I'm actually going to go with Jared Goff. I know the other kind of other fantasy viable um, person is Cam Akers, and I'm just not really sold on him yet being a, a, a running back wherever he'll be. Uh, he might not even be the running back one in his own team yet, so... I'll avoid him for now, but my pick will be Jared Goff. And this is a quarterback that I definitely think will bounce back from his uh, you know, poor performance of a season last season. Uh, sometimes he goes undrafted, but th this is a, a quarterback that you can get even past the values that we talked about before. Like he goes past Wentz, he goes past Stafford and, and Jones and Matt Ryan. He goes past Aaron Rodgers. So if, you, if you're if you looking for a quarterback that will still be there right before you take your defensive kicker, Goff will most likely be there every time. And I think he's definitely a, a starter worthy. He'll he'll perform just as good as, you know, a Wentz or a Stafford. So you're definitely getting some value with Goff, even though his ADP will is gonna put him there anyways. But taking him as your quarterback or maybe as a backup, um, definitely not a bad idea at all. And I, I really like golf Goff a lot. Yeah, he, I think he's being a little bit slept on this year. He's going in the 13th round, and this is a guy that's just gonna throw for a ton of yards, man. And he had some tough luck with touchdowns last year, only throwing 22 touchdowns along with 16 interceptions. If he can cut that interception rate down to maybe 12-ish, get his touchdown pass up to 28, which I could see him totally doing. I mean, he's done it before, as well as I don't think he's a good quarterback. I think he's a good fantasy quarterback. So uh, a guy that I'd be willing to take the shot on late in drafts, uh, he's kind of in that tier with everybody else. Uh, he goes after guys like Stafford and Wentz, like you were saying, but he's kind of in that tier with Daniel Jones. Big Ben, Ryan Tannehill, Kirk Cousins, and that group, I'm willing to still take a quarterback that late. I really, uh, I really, I, I do like this pick a lot, actually. I think golf, this kind of shows you don't need to go a quarterback early. You don't need to feel the need. If quarterbacks start coming off the board, don't panic. Be happy that you're the players that you like at, at wide receiver and running back, as well as maybe some early, early round tight ends are falling more towards you. Cause in your home league, I know an expert drafts, this is going to the 13th round, but you know, they're going to, Quarterbacks are going to be taken earlier on, and Goff may be one of those guys that just falls all the way to the end of your draft. And depending on how many rounds your draft is, if you're if you're in like the fifteenth round and you want to take him before your defense, absolutely do it. I couldn't recommend that more. So Goff is a guy that I'm. While I'm not projecting him to be some top five quarterback, I think he could easily finish inside the top twelve this year. I, I see a path for it for sure with a little bit better touchdown luck. Yeah, for sure. All right, uh, let's go into the team that I really want to talk to about in this division. It's the uh, the Arizona Cardinals, man. I mean, I mean, what can you say about the trade they made? It was just an unbelievable trade to get DeAndre Hopkins. Really, not even give up that much. What a second round pick, a fourth round swap, and then also the the terrible contract of DeAndre Hopkins. So, I mean, I would say they didn't lose anything out of that because they just got Hopkins for basically free, in my opinion. They also added. Uh, Devondre Campbell, Devon Kennard, and Jordan Phillips. So, I mean, some decent depth on the defense as well, uh, which is a unit that we're definitely going to have to discuss because uh, they're not good at all. They also lost Marcus Gilbert on an opt-out. 
I mean, like we already said, they didn't really lose David Johnson, but he's not on the team anymore. Uh, Demir Burr, Farrell Cooper, uh, Charles Clay, Ronnie Gunner, Joe, Joe Walker, not really any noteworthy losses as well. I think this is a team that could be pretty good this year. And they also got uh, the second – I mean, I would say their second best move was having Isaiah Simmons basically fall into their lap at the eighth spot. I mean, I, I, this is a guy that I thought could have gone as early as four, but he just kept falling, kept falling. They went ahead and took him uh, – not really sure exactly where he's going to play on this team, but another Clemson guy to match with Hopkins uh, makes this a good offseason for sure. They also added Josh Jones and Lakeith Fudo, uh, offensive and defensive tackles right there, uh, hopefully offer a little bit of stability in both those areas. Uh, a team that only won five games last year, we sh really shouldn't be as high on, but we are. I mean, adding DeAndre Hopkins, I mean, this is a top 10 player in the entire league, and uh, in my opinion, he's the second-best receiver in the NFL. So having – him added to an already pretty good offense last year is going to make this offense potent. And I am very excited to watch this team uh, play this year. Yeah. I want to talk about Isaiah Simmons for a little bit. I think this is maybe the turning point of this team because um, I was actually kind of surprised by that pick. I thought they would be targeting more offensive line to help out Kyler Murray a little bit. Uh, I, I really thought Isaiah Simmons would go maybe to Carolina who just lost Keekley so they could use a linebacker. I didn't think, uh, he would fall that far. And I think actually the Cardinals might be one of the you know good fits for him because he's very versatile and not every uh, NFL coach knows how to you know handle a player like that. And you know Cliff Kingsbury still kind of has that college mindset in the in the NFL. So I think you definitely understand what Simmons could bring to the table more than any other NFL coach would. He'll definitely understand how players can be used in multiple positions and how versatile they are. So I think it's actually a pretty good pick for them. And you know, definitely a value uh, at the eighth spot. He's definitely a top three, top four player in this class. So uh, the fact that they got him along with DeAndre Hopkins, I think they got a stud on offense and defense. Yeah, um, with Simmons, I mean, they they were so bad at covering the tight end last year. Simmons is going to be that guy that covers the tight end. Uh, I mean, he's very versatile. He can play linebacker, he can play safety. He's going to be all over the field, and he's gonna he's gonna cover that George Kittle. He's gonna cover that. Um, that Tyler Higby or Gerald Everett guy in this division. And they need it for sure. There's some pretty good tight ends. And they, they, all three of these teams above them all target their tight end a lot. I mean, the Seahawks, not really sure who it's going to be yet, but uh, whoever their tight end one is, is going to get the ball. So, I mean, all three of the other teams are going to throw their tight end a ton. And Simmons is going to be the guy that tries to shut that down. I mean, they're pairing him with, uh, they do have a lot of talent in the secondary. I mean, they have Buda Baker, which is, I, I actually really thought he played well last year. Uh, they still have Pat Pete, which I think he's got a, uh, another year or two of good production. They got Chandler Jones as well, which is one of, if one of the best linebackers in the entire league and gets slept on big time. And I mean, they added Devon Kennard. I mean, an injury prone guy from the Lions, but a guy that has some talent. So, I mean, this back seven is not a terrible unit by any stretch of the imagination. It's just going to be that front four, man. I mean, I know they got the rush linebacker, Chandler Jones, who's going to get a ton of sack. Other than that, I really just – I think they're going to struggle to get any pressure on the quarterback, and they're going to really struggle in the running game too. I'm also going to play a little devil, devil's advocate here. And I'm, Hopkins didn't really have the best season last season. I know he was being drafted in the first run, and I took him and didn't really produce up to that level. And I know in fantasy terms, it's very – hard to draft a player who had a change of scenery because you don't know exactly what that role is going to be. And that's why he isn't going in the first round. He's going, you know, early or late second. So that's, I think that's a good spot for him. And talk about Kyler Murray a little bit. Uh, you're not going to like this, but I don't really think he should have won offensive rookie of the year. I think that should have gone to Josh Jacobs or, yeah, I actually do too. or, or maybe even AJ Brown who had great stretches on the season. So I think Kyler Murray can take a step forward. And I think Hopkins will have a, a good uh, opportunity to help him jump to the next level. But 
in terms of those two players, I, I think that's like all they have going for them. And we obviously didn't mention Drake yet. Uh, I actually really like Drake as well um, from the trade from Miami. I think he'll uh, step into a wide receiver, one, a running back one role, even after with uh, getting rid of David Johnson, he'll be a clear cut running back one. Even all that being considered, I, I don't think they'll be, I don't think they'll win, have any chance to win a division. And I, I think it'll be close for them to make the playoffs. I don't know if it'll be uh, an underdog team. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the most realistic spot is they still finish last in the division. I mean, they they still have a lot of holes on the defense, but that's kind of what I'm saying. I mean, I think they have the best chance to finish fourth, but I think they also have a shot to win this division. If everything was to go right, maybe if they find a couple diamonds in the rough in this draft on defense, especially on the defensive line, maybe a uh, Futo or Rashad Lawrence step up into a big role. A guy like that could really change their fortunes because I, I really think this team is pretty – Pretty all-around decent besides the offense and defensive line, which are both very important positions. Uh, Josh Jones, I mean, he's going to he's gonna help out with the offensive line a little bit at the tackle spot. But you, I, I do agree that they they still have some work to do to be a uh, a really competitive team. But adding Hopkins is the start of that for sure. I mean, this is a guy that is one of the best players in the entire league, and there's no doubt about it. I think Kyler Murray is going to have an excellent season. And I, while I do agree, I like Josh Jacobs. I, I can put my bias aside a little bit there and say that Kyler Murray probably shouldn't have won the rookie of the year because of how good Josh Jacobs is. And it's also another player I like, so it doesn't really hurt hurt too much. But uh, Murray did have a pretty good rookie season. I mean, rookies don't always have a, an immediate impact, but I think he played a pretty good, pretty good. He had a pretty good job uh, running the offense, especially it's a it's a complex college offense, which looked like it it had a lot of different reads a lot of different short drops and short passes. He had to be very accurate, and he didn't have the weapons to do it with. I mean, Christian Kirk, Larry Fitzgerald are decent wide receiver two, wide receiver three-ish players in the NFL now. But Hopkins is that is that bona fide number one that they really needed on this offense, and he's going to help them out a ton when they're running these four wide sets like they always do. He's going to be a target machine for sure. And while I do think Hopkins uh, kind of piggybacking off your fantasy talk a little bit, he's more of the second-round pick now just because who knows exactly – how well they're going to mesh without an offseason. He's going to be very impactful for his teams in, on the offensive side of the football. And I think this is going to be the reason Kyler Murray takes a massive step forward and may, while I'm not saying he's going to win the MVP award, I, I believe that he he could place in, in in a spot that you're at least in the top 10 in MVP, in my, in my opinion. I think he is a, a not a lock, but a, a, has a good chance of being a top 10 player if he can take that next step forward, which I really think there's a high chance that he does. Um just kind of one more thing I want to touch on me playing a little bit of devil's advocate while I'll do like the Cardinals. You do have to factor in just last year, another Oklahoma quarterback that had a very good rookie season added a top five wide receiver and played like absolute crap. And that was Baker Mayfield with OBJ with a bad offensive line and a good running back. So, I mean, this is a very similar, I'm not I think Kyle Murray is a better quarterback than Baker Mayfield. Did, and I also think Hopkins is a better receiver than OBJ is. Uh, but you can see the chance that this team that I mean this offense doesn't what if this offense doesn't doesn't go right? I mean, it could happen. And if it does, it's gonna be another bad team. They're gonna have another high draft pick next year. But uh I think Murray has all the tools to get it done, and I think he's a he's a better quarterback and has a better chance with his mobility of of kind of mitigating that bad offensive line play. There is a possibility that he is not good this year and has a really tough season meshing with DeAndre Hopkins as Baker did last year. Yeah, if they have any chance of competing with for more than just uh, getting to 500, they'll have to prove that they can beat their own division rivals. And they, they start off the season against the 49ers, uh, which will be a good test for them. If they can beat them, uh, I think, you know, and they can prove to people that they're contenders, then I think they should get a little bit more hype and a little bit more respect. But uh, as of right now, I have to see it to believe it. 
Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. I think uh, there's definitely some holes on this team, and I'm very excited to watch them, but I'm not going to project them to win this division or even make the playoffs. I do think they have a chance at both. I think this is one of the, maybe this is the best fourth like fourth place team from last year in the entire league, and this is the team that has the best chance out of any four or ranked fourth in any division team to like kind of go first to worst. There's been that team or worst to first is what I meant to say. Uh, there's been one every year that's gone from last place to first place in the division every like over the last three years. There's been one each year, and I think the Cardinals would be that team if there's another one this year. I'm not like I said, I'm not projecting it, but I think this is a team that's going to win seven or eight games for sure. Yeah, I, I can agree with the seven to eight games. I, I I would give the Lions a better chance of going worst to first. To be honest, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I will not. Concerning how bad the NFC North will be this season, shout out to Drew. I think uh, the Lions have a better chance of going worst to first. But biases aside, I think uh, eight games is a good spot for them, the Cardinals. Yeah, I do as well. Um, let's get into a fantasy pick here. Uh, I'll let you go first this time because I've gone first every other time. So go ahead and give me your first name. There's not many uh, fantasy viable players on this on this offense. I think you, you have your obvious ones in Hopkins and uh, Kyler Murray. I'm going to go with Kenyon Drake, and he's going kind of late first, early second, maybe even late second if he can drop that far. But um, – He's definitely a good running back, and we saw it at the end of last season how he kind of got out of that bad situation in Miami and kind of fully fledged himself as a running back one on in the backfield, even with David Johnson still on the team. And now that he's gone, uh, who knows how good he can be. He'll definitely be a top 10 running back, I think. And if you compare him with a Clyde Edwards-Alaire or a Miles Sanders and have Drake as your running back too, I think you're just setting yourself up for success big time. And yeah. Uh, that's that's dangerous. I wasn't very. Uh, it took me a while to fully get uh, on that bandwagon for Drake, but I'm very much comfortable now taking him uh, in the second round. Definitely, maybe not in the first. But if I need that, I need that solid workhorse back as my running back one, and then I can take um, Drake. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the thing that kind of scares people away from Drake is that he's not that really high profile player, and he's only had this small stretch where he's really had this massive fantasy success he's always been that guy that just hasn't gotten that role of the workhorse back but he's got it now i mean i don't think chase edmonds or you know benjamin are taking touches from him. he really has no competition in the divisions or in the in the team so drake i 100 percent agree this is a guy that is one of my favorite second round picks basically at any spot you can get him except for maybe right at the turn because there's probably still gonna be a guy like miles sanders or josh jacobs uh, around that which drake and jacobs very close but i would take sanders over uh drake at this point especially with the kind of coach speak they've had with sanders lately but drake a clear workhorse back on an offense that fits him very well that's going to be a high flying uh i think is a lock to finish as a running back one as well and this is a guy that is like i said one of my favorite second round picks you can pair him with a guy like clyde edwards Lair, miles sanders josh jacobs somebody like that of that nature even one of those early backs if he falls a little bit you are set up for a very good season. And uh, I will be drafting a lot of Kenyon Drake this year. So uh, I couldn't agree more on that take. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and uh, used to talk about Kyler Murray a little bit. Uh, I know I'm not the early quarterback guy, but he's still, I think him going in the sixth round is not a terrible value. I really do. Him and Dak are going right back to back 601, 602. Probably he's probably going to go earlier than that in your, in your home league, which I wouldn't be willing to take him earlier than maybe like the back half of this fifth round or something like that. That's probably the earliest I'd take Murray. But if he falls that sixth round, I'm absolutely willing to take the shot on him. I, I don't believe he will in my home league because people love to draft that quarterback early. But if for some reason he's the guy that slips through the cracks, I will I will scoop him up earlier than I would normally take my quarterback. So Because I, I think Murray has the upside to be uh, maybe not Lamar from last year, but he could be around – he could be in that tier with Patrick Mahomes and Lamar 
in terms of like where people are drafting him next year. I think he could be a third round pick next year if everything hits right. Cause he has that rushing floor. He's got the ability. I know he only had like a, a 2.9% touchdown percentage last year, but if that comes up to about 5%, he's going to throw for over 30 touchdowns with that passing volume in the offense. So I think Murray is a, a lock, a locked and loaded top five quarterback with the upside to literally finish as the quarterback one. If, if Lamar or Mahomes were to falter. Yeah. I haven't been taking him in too many drafts, but I can, understand, I can understand that once Lamar and uh, Mahomes are off the board, if you want to take Murray, Murray as the quarterback three or the quarterback four, uh, and if you really like him, if no one else is around, you can you know definitely go for it. Uh, I'll normally advocate for a uh, quarterback late, but yeah, me too. But if you're going to go quarterback in the middle rounds, Prescott, Watson, Murray, um, those are your guys to go for. And I think uh, Murray has the most upside of all three of them because we've yep, we've seen sure we've seen Watson and Prescott at their best, uh, and we haven't seen um, Murray with a full you know uh, offense and uh, full capabilities to take over that offense. So. You know, I I definitely don't fault the pick for. I I can I can understand that. Yeah, and I'm Murray's real life talent. Uh, kind of getting away from his fantasy pick, which I, I'm glad you agree as well. I'm not really a big early drafter in, in uh, fantasy drafts of quarterbacks, but if he's there in the sixth round, I would be willing to take him. Uh Murray, I think, just hasn't even scratched the surface of what kind of player he can be. I think he's actually one of the most talented quarterbacks in the entire league. I mean, maybe a little bit biased just because I I liked him a lot in college. I and obviously I like him now in like the Cardinals, but uh. I really think Murray is a hyper talented. I think he's he's a generational talented quarterback. I mean, not everyone's going to agree with me on that, but I think he could be the next Lamar Jackson, the next Patrick Mahomes, the next Russell Wilson, the next Drew Brees. I think he can be that guy. He's he's that accurate with the football, and he can run the ball too. I mean, people think he's just some scrambling quarterback all the time. I mean, he kind of does that out of necessity. He's very athletic, but his best attribute is his accuracy, which is not the same for a guy like Lamar Jackson, who's going to use his legs more to get him the fantasy value and real life value for his team. Uh, Murray is one of the more accurate passers in the league. He kind of profiles to me as like a light Drew Brees in terms of what he what he can do with the football in terms of where he, his ball placement is going to be. But adding a guy like Hopkins is, can only help with his uh, his chance to break out this year and be an MVP candidate, which I think he's going to take that step forward. It's all going to be up to the, if that defense can be average. I think this is a playoff team, but I think that is a tough ask. Yeah, I think like a lot of people fault Kyler Murray for being. For his height, and I think that's just an uncalled for because we're in a day and age now in this league where you don't you don't have to be a stationary quarterback. You can be mobile, you can be tall or short. It doesn't really matter. But any any type of body type in this league can succeed, and uh, same can be said yeah. for Kyler, Kyler Murray. And he can run, unlike Drew Brees, which you mentioned. Yeah, that's what I like about Murray. I mean, he's he's a short quarterback. He's not any shorter than a guy like Drew Brees. And I mean, if you just watch him, they he's in an offense with Cliff Kingsbury, which he he's going to maximize his potential. He's going to give him the best chance to succeed. Possibly. Murray's been working in the offseason, which I'm sure he has been working hard. He seems like that kind of guy that likes to. Uh, he's got a big work uh, work ethic. I think that uh, Murray's going to come out and just prove that he. It doesn't matter. He could be three feet tall and he'd still be one of the better quarterbacks in this league. And I think he's going to be ranked inside a lot of people's top sevens in terms of overall quarterback next year. Yeah, I think uh, Kingsbury and uh, Murray make a perfect team. Absolutely. And, and I mean, adding, like we keep saying, adding Hopkins is not going to hurt that team whatsoever. He is an excellent, cannot be overstated enough. But uh, let's go ahead and wrap this up with just what we think is going to happen in this division. I guess I'll start it off. I still think the Niners are going to win the division at 12 and four. I think they're going to be a very good team again this year. I believe they will get upset in the uh, divisional round this year. Um, I think they're going to run into somebody and get upset. Uh, 
Seahawks, I also believe, will be a playoff team at 11 and 5. They're going to be right on the heels of the Niners. Maybe that'll come down to a late season matchup between the two of them, like it did last year, uh, which where I believe the Seahawks will lose and be 11 and 5 again, which, I mean, adding uh, Jamal Adams, maybe that's a little bit disappointing, but I think another 11 and 5 record in this division is very impressive. I believe the Rams will go 8 and 8. Miss out on the playoffs barely, and the Cardinals will also go eight and eight and barely miss out on the playoffs. But both teams I could see being 10 and six, 11 and five, if everything goes right. Yeah, my predictions are actually a little bit more vague than yours because I, I, I have a hard time trying to predict this division. It's going to go a lot of different ways. So I'm just going to say this I think the division is a three horse race between 49ers, Seahawks, and Rams if, if they truly have a bounce back season. Um, the records could range from 13 and three to 10 and six, I think for either one of those teams, because the upside and the, the ceiling and the floor for them is I think where that those records lie. Um, one of those teams will definitely get a first run by and multiple teams from this division are making the playoffs. And as for the Cardinals, I think they're ceiling maybe eight and eight, um, but I hope they can maybe prove me wrong and maybe get um, into the seventh spot. Um, Cause I, like we said last time the Buccaneers came out of nowhere and make the wild card. I think, the Cardinals yeah. have that same chance. Yeah, I I, uh, I absolutely agree with that. Um, maybe not on the ceiling of the Cardinals, but uh, it, I do agree that they're probably more realistically like seven to nine, eight and eight team with that defense. But uh, and, and eight and eight is good enough to make the playoffs. Uh, this it could, year. it sure certainly could be. I I know the NFC is really is a bloodbath, but if a couple of these teams falter, say like a team that I can see faltering would be like the Eagles or the the Vikings, a team like that, maybe they only get one in the playoffs. This division could just absolutely be all three wild card spots. I could, I could 100% see that if they have success outside the division. Yeah, definitely not out of the realm of possibility, but that would be really insane if that happened. Oh yeah, 100%. I, but I do, uh, you do have to factor in their crossover division is the AFC East, which will be our next division we t- we discuss. And the AFC East, in my opinion, is probably the weakest division in football right oh, now. Yeah. Right? Maybe maybe second weakest out of the after the NFC East, um, but I believe that with that crossover as well as playing a team like the the Lions, um, which that, that's what the Cardinals do again this year for the 18th year in a row, believe that they will win that matchup and kind of run the NFC AFC East. So I mean I think they have that's why I think there's the upside there. I think they have a pretty easy schedule besides their division. Yeah, I'm glad you re- you reminded me of that. I was totally gonna bring up the schedule. They play the. Uh, AFC East and NFC East are the two worst divisions in football. Right. So these, so these records are going to be totally inflated. And if, if all three or all four can make the playoffs, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, absolutely. I think three teams will probably make the playoffs. I don't want to predict it because it's tough between the Rams and the Cardinals. I can see both teams making it. But I definitely Seahawks and Niners are, for me, locks unless yeah, for sure. a guy like Kittle or a guy like Russ goes down with an injury. Yeah, the, the, the possibilities are endless with this division. Yep. Uh, yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. If you, if you don't have anything else, uh, that'll wrap this episode up for the Zone Defense Podcast. Again, check us out on our social media accounts. Uh, and we're doing kind of like some polls and stuff. So uh, feel free to vote on those because uh, we always like we always really appreciate when people participate a little bit. And then uh, also, if you want to shoot us any questions, either uh, either on the YouTube or on any of our social media platforms, if you shoot us a question, we're going to answer it on our next show. So uh I would really, uh, that would really be a, a big appreciation for us as well. So uh, thanks for coming in again, Roman. It was a, another good time for us. Uh, we're going to get into the uh, AFC East coming up really shortly, which is going to be a very interesting division to talk about. I'm very excited to talk about them as well.
Yeah, and considering that's after the opt-out date, we'll know for sure all the players are going to be opt-out. If any news breaks, we'll be able to cover it then. Yeah, uh, uh, just kind of a little teaser for that. Uh, I'm, I'm really hoping that he doesn't uh, he doesn't opt out, but Tredavious White opting out for the Bills would be an absolutely huge move. So uh, yeah. it's kind of a little teaser for that. We're, we're gonna, we'll By the time we record our next episode, we're going to know if he's, got, if he's done or not. Yeah, we have a few more hours to go until the deadline passes, but um, uh, it'll be a huge hit to the Bills if he opts out. Yep, absolutely. All right, man. Uh, another quality episode for us. Uh, I, I really enjoyed this one. Uh, we're really we're starting to get through these divisions, so uh, let's keep chugging along, man. All right. Uh, thanks for listening again uh, to the Zone Defense Podcast. Uh, we'll see you next time. Peace.